What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Average Joe Sports Podcast. It's been a while, so uh, glad to have my boys back. We did an MLB preview a few weeks ago before the season, if you guys can remember. Uh, so now I brought my go- my boys back, Gabe and Brandon, to talk baseball, obviously. Uh, we've got a week of baseball to recap, and we've had a fantasy draft. So what's up, fellas? How you doing? Been been doing good. It's just uh, happy to have baseball back. You know, no lockout, no complaints here. So I'm just happy the sport is back. And, you know, it's just part of my day to day that that I love, you know, coffee, box scores and, you know, maybe some NBA playoffs. But that's that's pretty much that. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck NBA right now. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Oh man, what's up, Brandon? I'm, okay. I was, I, I'm overdosed on basketball. I'm ready for baseball season. I I was seriously worried that we'd have a delayed spring training. So uh, the baseball gods listened, and we got it back. So I'm feeling okay now. Back to normal. Oh yeah, I'm I'm riding the bat. I'm riding the uh, uh, roller coaster, if you will. You know, a couple of days ago, if you asked me, I love basketball. Now it's like fuck basketball. <laughs> <laughs> fuck basketball. Uh, the DJ bets took a took a hit yesterday. Um, uh, oh no. <laughs> But it, it's all. I mean, I'm still positive. But it you're was riding like, that train for a while. Oh you're man, carrying. I was I was hot for like a good couple of days or a week or so. But man, but yeah, let's, let's let's pivot back to baseball. That's why we're all here, right? Thank you guys for you know sending some time on your your schedule to talk baseball with me. Um, for so let's, us. Yeah, of course. So let, let's talk the first thing, right? So the first topic we want to talk about. Obviously, we've got a weekend of baseball in. Teams are playing. Blood's kind of pumping. Blood's flowing. We're, we're feeling good. So let's talk about, you know, some players and teams. We'll start off teams that are surprising us positively, right? So I'll let you, Gabe, I'll let you start off with players and teams that have surprised you in a, a positive manner. All right. Well, I think they surprised us all last year, and they're going to keep on surprising us just based on what I've seen so far. But that's the San Francisco Giants. I was expecting to, them to regress and, and give yeah. the Dodgers no challenge whatsoever. And it looks like right now they're both tied for the best record in baseball. I was looking up their numbers, and they're basically a league average team as far as offensive production goes, right in the middle for OPS and runs scored. Um, they're fourth in the NL in home runs. So that tells me is they're winning their close games. And of course, what are they doing? They're leading the league in ERA and they're third in whip. So they're winning these close games and it's exactly like they were last year. You look at Same them as last year. Yeah. yeah. You look at yeah. them in the middle of the year. It's like, how the heck is this team like 30 games over 500? But yeah, they yeah. just have the right formula. Right. Yeah, so. absolutely. One of the most underrated, you know, pitching rotations in the league, Anthony D, Logan Webb. All they do is swap out uh, a Gosman and get a guy like Carlos Padone, right? Yeah. So. It's just ridiculous, man. Um, any, what about players specifically? Is there any guy that's popping out for you? Or uh, I, For me, it's I love um, kind of the international players. It's always so – you don't know what you're going to get when you open the box, but Suzuki from, from the Cubs. I mean, that's I, right. He, yeah. won, he just won player of the week that was just announced. Um, and then I was just kind of diving deeper into it. And, I mean, outside of Ichiro – and maybe a good two or three seasons of Matsui from the Yankees. Uh, right. We haven't seen, you know, Japanese hitters to the level of Otani and Suzuki, um, you know, the last 30 years. So it's, you know, right off the, right off the top. It's, it's exciting to, to see, you know, especially if you look at how the Japanese fans react to the game and how, how into it they are. I think the game's always better when you have a, 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 a Japanese superstar and, 
you know, now we have Otani and if Suzuki can pan out, I don't think we've ever had two at the same time. So, you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe Daisuke Matsui era for about one year, maybe. Yeah. Two. That, I mean, Otani's, you know, in his mid twenties and Suzuki's also in his mid twenties. So, I mean, hope, hopefully this can ride around for like five years. I think we had Nomo for like yeah. seven years and then, and then, right. and then Ichiro and that was it. Yeah. And, yeah, and interesting. A lot of those teams that you're bringing up, they're all coastal teams, right? On east, mm-hmm. East Coast, West Coast. So obviously, interesting to see him, you know, inland, right, in the middle, middle of the country, in Chicago, doing his thing. So that's definitely against the, you know, against the grain, right? Yeah, his on base skills look real too. That was the yeah. biggest thing I wanted real. to see translate from Japan. Was uh, can he take walks? Can he, you know, see pitches, you know, out of major league arms the same way? And it looks like he can. So yeah, contact absolutely. skills are real. So Brandon. Hit me with it. What, what team or players that you got that are surprising you in a, in a positive way so far? Yeah, I guess I'll take it from the coast and, uh, you know, go back to the Midwest again. Uh, the record's not really reflecting it, but the Guardians, man, they're putting up runs. Their offense is looking pretty potent, a lot more than I thought. I was kind of writing them off. Um, the AL Central is a really winnable division. If the White Sox, you know, basically regress in any way, it's wide open. So, um, yeah, they're kind of they're putting up they're making a little rumble there in the AL Central. Um, and I got to say the Mets, whatever moves they made in the offseason is starting to pay off. They're looking pretty good. Seven and four record leading division, um, you know, kind of maybe trimming off some of the fat, adding some leaner pitching. Uh, they're kind of getting some guys Bassett and Miguel that are, you know, looking like, you know, established two or three starters that can hold down that rotation. So both those teams really kind of jumping off the radar for me uh, as far as players are going. Um, it's two pitchers I got in mind, and uh, it's kind of associated with the Mets. So we got uh, Cookie Carrasco. Okay. Um, he's just throwing a ton of sliders and curveballs right now. He's junking his way to the top. He's, he basically like is only throwing the bat- fastball like 25% of the time. That's wild. Because uh, his velocity has been down you know, consistently year after year. He used to be in the mid to high 90s. Now he's in the you know, low 90s, high 80s. Um, but he's just keeping batters off balance the old school way. And uh, Thor's looking pretty good, I got to say. Um, fastball's a little bit down, velocity-wise. Uh, so is the slider. But uh, he's keeping the ball down, using his sinker, keeping him off balance with the off-speed. Um, you know, he's, his velocity is still in the mid-90s. So that was a, a big identifier coming back from his injuries. So, uh, yeah, the pitchers, some of the, you know, the old cookie Carrasco and Thor. Let's see if he can bring it back. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for me, you touched on it. It's, it's the Mets, right? This is a team that obviously the, the expectations were pretty good. They were decent, right? Um, but they're, I think they pretty much exceeded that, especially with, you know, their main guy out with DeGrom. I mean, the pitching staff, mm-hmm. you got all the way down to Tyler McGill, uh, as you mentioned, Cookie Carrasco, Max Scherzer, and then obviously one of my favorites, favorite fantasy player and real baseball player, uh, and Chris Bassett, right? I mean, he's just, I mean, he's probably leading, leading the league in ERA at 12 innings, one ER, one earned run. 14 Ks. Obviously, he's not a real big K guy, um, so that that'll kind of subside. But the, the rotation is definitely exceeding expect, expectations right now. They're second in the NL in terms of uh, earned runs given up, uh, so definitely exceeding expectations. Even though the expectations were decent uh, to go mm-hmm. into the season, so if they can they can keep that going, obviously there'll be slight regression. To, I mean, these pitchers cannot sustain this, but they added to Grom. I mean, they're as advertised, right, guys? So it's it'll be interesting. And of course, on the on the flip side. Alonzo's going to do his thing. If we, if Lindor can continue to, you know, do his thing and, and bounce back in a major way in terms of power production, stay healthy. Hopefully, obviously, you know, I'm a, a, a stakeholder in in, in, uh, in Lindor. So, um, yeah, let's. If Lindor, if, if, if Lindor can just hit the ball this year, 
You know, it, it doesn't have to do anything more than that. That's all I'm asking from the guy. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to even argue that the Mets are a better team right now compared to what they were last year. If anything, they're worse without without Degrom. And I think it goes back to to Showalter there. Don't forget the impact that he's had there. I mean, the, the bullpen is just First about the same. <laughs> the bullpen is about <laughs> the same. And it's, what minute just, mark are we at? Eight. He has the, Seven, seven and a half, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I just he, he does have a track record of, of turning it around, and as far as I'm concerned, that team is about the same as last year. So why the sudden change? So yeah, yeah. Another another guy. I mean, obviously this is kind of like a kudos to him. I don't think he's going to be sustained, but it's nice to see some success from Andrew Heaney. Uh, he he, well, he battled mm-hmm. it out again yesterday. I, I think he's 16K so far in two starts. Obviously only 10 innings pitched, but uh, he's looked good so far, right? Um, not a ton of velocity, but He's got some good control there. And then another guy kind of piggybacking off what I said with the Mets, decent expectations, but and, but also exceeding those expectations of Jordan Romano. I mean, this guy has been called on every other day. It seems like he's leading the league in saves. I think he's got five or six. Um, I just played him, so that was, that was no fun. But it seems like every day or every other day, they're rolling out Romano to close out the game, and he's just getting it done. Um, he's six innings pitched. Uh, he's only had four base runners. I think it's three hits, one walk. Uh, he's been extremely efficient, striking guys out as well. Um, he hasn't exceeded more than four batters' face at any given inning, um, so he's just getting the job done. So obviously expectations were there, but he's—I mean—he's exceeding that as well so far. So now that we've talked about obviously the kudos and the positive things, you know, in terms of you know success, let's 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 flip the script. Let's talk about some teams. We'll start with Brandon this time. Teams that are disappointing thus far, and players as well. Yeah. So. Um... For me, number one, I'll uh, I'll drop my first AL West. Uh, is that the the Rangers? I really thought go. that they were going to be a little bit better. That first series, they came out against Toronto looking good. I'm like, here, this is what I was talking about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sure enough, about five games later, they're just the same old Texas Rangers again. They can't pitch. Uh, it's really interesting seeing Corey Seager, uh, or, yeah, get walked with the bases loaded. Um, yeah. Third time ever happened. The other time were Josh Hamilton on that crazy year and your man Barry Bonds. So, uh, yeah, kind of a weird development there. I really expect a little bit more out of them. Um, my disappointing players, we uh, we were talking about a little bit off before the podcast, is Bill Bichette. Um, I mean, his K rate's through the roof. He hasn't taken a walk yet. He's batting just barely over 200. Uh, kind of expected him to take the next step. Maybe, you know, 300 average, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 100 runs, 100 ribbies type of a player. Um you know, it's still early in the season. Maybe he's just hitting a slump. Short in spring is kind of affecting a lot of guys, but it's pretty disappointing to see. And Brandon Woodruff. I mean, I, I used the first round <laughs> pick on him. I'm like, I got my ace. This guy's going to go 200 innings, you know. Uh, no, nah, he just got lit up. And, you know, I haven't looked in the metrics as to why yet. I'm just going to kind of keep riding him see what happens. But, um, you know, I think he's too good of a pitcher to just, unless something's wrong with him that I don't know, to not write the ship. It's his first outing. But uh, so far, very disappointing. Um, that ballpark, you know, hitters park. Now I need a DH to the NL might be affecting some of those NL pitchers a little bit. Right. And the offense, I believe is struggling a bit too. Out the mm-hmm. gate. They're not, they're not getting a lot of support there. Um, yeah. So but before we get into, to you, Gabe, uh, you, you obviously mentioned, um, yeah, I can't train of thought. Uh, uh, Bo right. So mm-hmm. where did you guys have him? Obviously Mike in our league, he dropped him, I believe fifth overall. Where'd you guys have him in, in your rankings? I, I guess. Uh, in terms of where, where'd you guys, you guys have them in, in the mid, did you guys have them in the first round? Did you have second round or where, where'd you guys have them? It's hard to guess. Cause you don't know how like the board's going to shake out, but if mm-hmm. it was me and he was still on the board and I had a late pick, so 
I don't think I would have went late second, but I would have had the turnaround pick on the third, I think. So I would think somewhere for me, mid third, I think there's plenty of other shortstops that could give you that same proven production. And with Bichette, it's, I just think it's, you know, you're, you're prone to like a sophomore slump. And I just think to myself how young and how good he is, he could have like a two, 22 home run season, 80 RBIs and hit 280. And that's like a fantasy bust, but mm-hmm. you know, for a 22 year old, that's an excellent year. So right. it's, you know, it's, there's not enough track record for me. So third totally. round, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have been tough for me to not take him on the snake going into the second round. Uh, but I probably would have held off again. I think that we're a pretty shortstop heavy right now. Whereas in previous years, fantasy wise, and even just in baseball period, we just kind of had a dearth of shortstops around the league. Whereas now it seems like every team has a pretty damn good one um, who can hit for power average and field. So yeah, he, I, I think first round is kind of a stretch, although I can see how, you know, one year coming soon, he is going to have that first round, maybe even top fantasy pick type of a season. Uh, right. But yeah, again, I mean, yeah, 25 home run, 80 ribby seasons. Great. They can still go you know, to the world series with that. Especially if his defense improves but it doesn't do much good on the fantasy board. Yeah, I think there was just too much. There, I mean, pitchers, you guys, obviously you had Woodruff in the back end. I think Corbin Corbin Burns was still available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was going to make a, I guess, a, a ballsy move or early move, I probably would have went pinching over Bobachet. I think I leaned kind of kind of parallel to what Gabe has in that second, third round. Definitely not first round. Maybe Mike knew something I didn't know. But um, <laughs> and, you, know, you can understand through the success. Um, and he does a lot of things that, you know, in, in theory, it would be great for the league. But again, obviously, we keep track, keep track of walks and strikeouts, and obviously, that's something that mm-hmm. we have to keep an eye out for him. I think he'll 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 start to have some uh, he'll he'll turn it around a bit, but we'll see if that fifth overall pick will will, ma- will match up. So, Gabe, t- tell me about your disappointing players or teams right now. Uh, for the teams, I mean, this this goes back to when the, the last season just ended. But man, the Cincinnati Reds, I actually really like the the team that that they were starting to build there. Back to back seasons that they were over 500, they made the playoffs in that shortened year. The year before in 2019, they were only like five games under 500. So you can see the natural progression of a team getting built up and and becoming a true contender. And then you know we're getting ready for our first kind of normal season in 2022 and you know what do they go do they trade away barnhart they trade away sunny gray they let like wade miley who's maybe their best pitcher just like go away for free and the uh, cubs got him on a waiver claim you know they didn't make an offer for castellanos you know that's fine whatever maybe they didn't like the type of player but um on the they also traded winker which was one of your guys last year collins and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then I was just kind of looking, so I, well, you have all these subtractions. What were their additions? And I, I like the guy, but he, you can't bank your offseason around him, which clearly shows that they weren't trying to win. But it looks like their big splash was signing Tommy Pham for a one-year contract. And, and he's just, been – Yeah. He just I have him. I still have – I haven't I, – I have – I have him on my team, but, you know, obviously because of the potentials there that, you know, 20 home runs, you know, 20, 30 stolen bases, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, he hasn't done shit. He's got like – I want to like Tommy Pham so bad. Yes. Like, I, 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 you know, I think he's a really cool guy. I, I love that Sports Illustrated article that came out with him, you know, a couple years back where he basically said, no, fuck it, man. I'm just trying to make my money, you know. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out here. Like, and yeah. he just has a really honest approach. Um and yeah, he has a really, you know, on base skills are great, but he's, I think just he's getting old, his skills are declining, and injuries have gotten in. Right. And then what, what is that, the weakest division in baseball? And they decided to not even try. That's pathetic. Just leave it mm-hmm. at that. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, as far as uh, players go, <laughs> when we were initially going to do the call and, you know, he's got a lot of things on his plate, you know, you kind of have to split him into two players. But um, Otani, when uh, when we first kind of decided to jump on this call last week. <laughs> let's was, do it. Let's do it. All right. He was in a slump and he just he just broke out of it crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just goes to show you the type of uh, player he is to carry his, his, his team offensively and, and on the mound. So backtrack on Otani and just kind of move on another angels guy, uh, Rendon, especially after trout getting, you know, hit in the hand yesterday, he has yeah. to carry that team. Like, yep. I don't know I, if trout's not going to be there. It has to be Rendon. And, you know, we know the track record trout has, so it's just very disappointing so far. I mean, it just always seems to happen with the Angels. Just got they just got rid of pool holes last year. They got rid of Upton this year. But I mean, we're two, three years into like a monster seven-year deal, and like I mean, he's below league league average in terms of production. So mm-hmm. that's just tough. And then um, the negative like, X-ray on Trout's hand, by the way. Yeah. So, so, uh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, least, it's good for the league that he's you know healthy this year. Yeah. And then uh, as far as uh, out east, um, a couple of Blue Jays that come to mind is uh, Barrios for one. I mean, it's, he's <laughs> he ugly for yeah, sure. Yeah, he needed he needs to be the anchor of that rotation, and that you know, I really like the what the Blue Jays were going, you know, how they were looking going into the year, but with Ryu down and Barrios not looking as sharp as he was last year, that team is immediately mm-hmm. becoming shaky, and as soon as the offense can't you know carry them, they're going to be in trouble. But you know, I think. Uh, I think they um, the Blue Jays could have ran away with the division if it was a if it was a more short up pitching staff. And then another guy I've actually never really liked him that much. I think he's really really good. He went to Cal State Fullerton, which is my alma mater. But Matt Chapman, yeah, I don't, yeah, he needs to step it up. I mean, when he had you know three straight years where he was MVP material, and I know he's had some health issues, but I mean he's he's, he's the guy that they decided to basically anchor. Um, you know, their offense around with what their young studs that they have. And, you know, I don't think he's getting the job done and I don't really have much confidence that he will. And, you know, I, I, I took it pretty late this year, Matt Chapman, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, flyer, whatever, near 20th round and all that. So, uh, but th- there's something going on with him. I mean, th- th- I can't see in like, say like stat cast or fan graphs, any like real decline in skills. I think it's just a trade off for power and just kind of not really caring about the bat getting paid, getting out of Oakland. Um, yeah, he's kind of like Eric Chavez part two for me right now. Um, let's <laughs> we'll see what happens, but yeah, basically MVP goal glove defense. I mean, Chavez is like contending against Alex Rodriguez for MVPs, you know, getting votes away from him back in the day, uh, kind of felt like what Chapman was on a trajectory for and then just fell off. So I don't yeah. know what's going on. I hope he can write it up, write it though. I mean, he's a cool player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get to the, the team of players that I'm going to mention in terms of, in terms of disappointment, Otani. Uh, we did it for both set. Where, where do you, where did you guys have him in your rankings uh, mm. this year? Obviously, some people had him number one, some people had him later on. Where did you guys have him? Second round, yeah, somewhere second round. And I, and I would have been first round if it would have been, uh, say, a points league. Um, yeah, for but, sure. Um, other than that, it's just for me, it's can he repeat it? Uh, can he stay healthy for the full year? You know, um, the strikeouts are an issue on the batting side, uh, as you've seen so far on the pitching side. You know. He, his K to walk ratio is fantastic. You know, he's, he looks pretty sharp. Uh, obviously his fielding independent pitching is a lot lower than his ERA. So he looks pretty good on the mound to me, just needs to kind of gear up and get, gain his arm strength and pitch counts. Um, but he does have a hole in his swing and that's the down and away pitch. Now he's been working on it all off season. 
But off speed or uh, a really fast, hard sinker down and away, he really cannot catch up to that pitch. So he needs to figure that out. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just really quick, we're at the 20-minute mark, so we're trying to bust through this. Um, my disappointed team, and it, it, I guess it's kind of the theme for me, is a team that is, has decent expectations but, you know, has not kind of just meeting those expectations yet. That's the Yankees so far. Uh, mm-hmm. More specifically, is, I mean, obviously the, the bullpen, the pitching has been nice, right? You got you see Nestor Cortez, he's pretty nasty in what he was able to contribute for uh, Francisco. I think it was yesterday. Uh, but they're hitting. Their hitting has been, you know, something that's – been lacking. I think they're second in the AL in terms of run production right now. Uh, and just kind of segue into that, my disappointing player is Joey Gallo. Um, I know it, I know he's not going to hit for a high average. Um, I know he's, he's supposed to be an above average defender, but he's struggling on the field as well. And on top of that, right now, he's at 10 games, 30 at-bats. Um, what he is supposed to do is provide power. He's got zero extra base hits so far. Uh, and, and obviously the K's are going to be there. He's got 11 K's, he's batting 138. So mm. Joey Gallo, mm. obviously that 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 the lineup is struggling. It's got some holes right now in terms of production. Uh, but Joey Gallo is definitely the head of that that, that struggle right now for me. Um, if you're getting crazy. 150 home runs out of Stanton, Judge, and Gallo, and then these guys just literally can't put the bat on the ball. And yeah, and, and that's that's what you need to, to come playoff time. And it's all it's all good to you know get guys on and. And, and, you know, have a guy come up and hit a three-run bomb, and, and that'll happen. But in playoffs and stuff like that, it's almost kind of like, you know, uh, you know, it's all good to have fast-paced, you know, full-court offense in the NBA. But playoffs comes, it's you got to be ha- good in the half-court, right? And, you know, in baseball, mm-hmm. you got to be able to move guys over, get guys, you know, put put the bat on the ball, right? Move guys into uh, advantageous positions, you know, sack fly, you know, get productive outs. Um, and striking out is just not going to work. Uh, so we're at the 21 minute mark. So th- for this particular point, we'll just kind of name a player and say a, a quick thing, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Player that is not in the Hall of Fame that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. We'll start with you, Brendan. All right. So I kind of put a lot of thought in this. I got two old timers and one newer one that I really like. Uh, so for me, the biggest one is Thurman Munson. Um, he's kind of a name that everyone knows or has heard if you're a baseball fan, but the reality is that uh, he was one of the best defensive catchers ever. Uh, also one of the best offensive catches ever. Um, his career was cut short, unfortunately. He died early. I believe it was a plane cl- crash. Um, but I it, I think he's the only catcher to win Rookie of the Year and a uh, World Series MVP. Um, wow. So if you look at his stats, he's on on par with like a Roy Campanella, Johnny Bench type of a guy and really just kind of understated. Um, Dick Allen on the Phillies, third baseman, won an MVP, consistent 30 home run, 300 hitter over about a 20-year span um 15 year actually about uh 350 career home runs kind of like a jim rice kind of a player uh is the best comp i can come up with him and then crime dog uh really just somebody i mean he's got 450 home runs he was kind of like you know when i was a kid i knew who fred mcgriff was and the guy had a long tenure 20 year career basically how is he not in the hall of fame forever yeah yeah yeah, Fred McGriff was on my list too, and I just I I looked him up real quick, and then he's got 493 career home runs, 493, and, and two 2490 for hits. So I looked at like players that had 500 career home runs and 2500 hits, which he fell just short of. And there's only 18 players in baseball history, five of them dirty, with Palmero, Bonds, A Rod, Sheffield, and Manny. So mm-hmm. as far as clean players all time, there's only been 13 people that have ever put up those career numbers. And it's just sad that, that he wasn't even close. And then another person that was even way less close was for me, Johan Santana. I mean, mm-hmm. 
watching baseball in that era in, in the mid 2000s, um, during a five year stretch, he won two Cy Youngs. He actually got robbed uh, by Bartolo Colon uh, from getting a, a third straight Cy Young. If you look at that 2005 AL Cy Young voting, that was that was bad. But, yeah. yeah, Santana. As an Angels fan, I do not endorse the Bartolo Colon Cy Young Award. <laughs> yeah. Putting it what out was there. that like 2004 or was it? Oh, that was five for five. Oh, five. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, Vladdy won MVP in 04. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's he won. You know, you can call it two Cy Youngs, you can call it three straight, and then you know, five during a five year stretch, he was the best pitcher in baseball. And he, when it came to uh, his first year on the ballot, you need to get at least five percent of the 400 baseball writers to um to give you at least eligibility for the next year. He only got two and a half percent, so he immediately wow. fell off the ballot. And I bring him up because I think what's going to happen is DeGrom is going to have that kind, kind of same stretch to to uh, Cy Young's, you know, mm. the best pitcher in baseball for a four year stretch. And I guarantee you that DeGrom is going to get past, you know, two, three, four years of, of eligibility. Even sort of though... Sandy Koufax-esque, you know, like where they have this like, but obviously as a result, it was a little bit more dominant than either of those guys. But still, it's kind of the same idea as five years, five, six year stretch of the most dominant pitcher in baseball can that get you in the hall of fame you need the longevity yeah i mean it's it's tough they, musina just got in and musina had a good 15 20 years in baseball but he wasn't even you know he didn't even win a cy young or he wasn't very close sure. a couple of times but i mean if you if you don't win one cy young i don't even want to hear about it unless you're <laughs> unless you're hitting 300 wins or you know in a, absurd counting numbers you're mm-hmm. not the one of the top five pitchers in the game in one year yeah i don't want to hear it yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. There's something about greatness where you kind of have to be the greatest for at least a period of time or amongst the greatest to be considered great. Um, like the Alan Trebel getting in the Hall of Fame just because he played for the Tigers for 22 years really fly with me either. I mean, the guy, you know, good, very, very good baseball player. I don't know if he should be Hall of Fame. Right. And you know who I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, <I've> been... <laughs> Gabe, who am I going to say? Who am I going to say? Who am I going to say? Are you talking about 2006 World Series MVP David Eckstein? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I mean, Barry Bonds. Free, free, oh, free yeah. Bonds. Oh, oh, that's free right. Bonds, man. <laughs> I mean, Barry, I mean Barry, Barry Bonds, just like A-Rod, one of those, you know, uber-talented players, right, naturally, you know, even clean. Put up, I mean, I mean, I essentially put up some Hall of Fame numbers even before, you know, the allegations started to come in and surface, right? Um, we know all the numbers, so I don't have to get into that. It's just more of a, you know, are these types of players, these pool of players, are they going to be able to let in? Who's going to be, who's going to knock that door down, right? Um, and it just sucks, right? Seeing guys like, well, I don't sympathize with A-Rod, but, uh, you know, guys that are uber talented that got, you know, mixed up in these all these allegations, right? Um, and then I like, I don't know, just a feel good a guy who we talk about longevity, um, who had a, a pretty solid peak, uh, peak be Kenny Lofton, right? Kenny Lofton, yeah, you know, yeah. got, guy played forever. Maybe he's getting, you know, shit in the stick because he kind of bounced around. So that kind of took away from his, his peak, if you will. He bounced around and played for like fucking half the league, maybe. <laughs> uh, um, and so he bounced around, but um, I, I looked up the numbers between 1992 and 1997. Only four guys, or excuse me, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four guys that uh, surpassed him in terms of war. That was Jeff Bagwell, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., and Frank Thomas between the years of 1992 and 1997. Pretty good list. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, Kenny Lofton, I think he should get some love. 
uh, for sure. Um, he has like 600 stolen bases career, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, like top five or top 10 stolen ever. Yep, 620, 300 hitter. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're top five in an all time category, I mean, I, yeah. I think he yep. should kind of be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 2,500 hits. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Kenny Lofton, he, I think he's he, he should be in. So let's let's we're gonna we're gonna pivot to your 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 topics here, Brandon. Um, we're gonna start off with new rule changes. I'll let you pick out a rule change, and we'll kind of just start, you know, discussing our thoughts on it and how it's probably doing so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple. Um, one of them that I thought was going to be changed was the runner on second, but it's still instituted for this year. Uh, 2023, that's going to be erased, though. That's the in the collective bargaining agreement, so we can say goodbye to that finally. Um, they did the... They did that um, supposedly to like help pitchers' arms coming off the lockout and coming out of the COVID year, um, second year. Um, but uh, but they also, you know, the double headers aren't going to be seven innings, so it's just kind of a little bit of a weird counterpoint. Don't know why they took it out. Um, the biggest one, obviously, is going to be you know DH and the NL. So that's one that I think that we can really explore. There's some other smaller ones, like they made the bases a little bit bigger. Um, you know, we're going to have expanded rosters for a little while longer, uh, kind of more technical baseball moves. But the biggest one is definitely the uh, the DH and the AL and NL. I mean, do you guys like it? Uh, what do you think that's going to do for the game? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll let I, you take it all, Gabe. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. And we have to kind of see what it's going to do as far as kind of the pitching parity across baseball. I mean, one of my fantasy strategies was just right away go for an NL pitcher because that's mm-hmm. one free out that they have. A, actually, three three free outs that they have a game. You know, with that with that pitcher spot that they have to go up against. And then we're going to really start to see is Dodger Stadium, is Petco Park, is San Francisco. Are they really truly pitchers parks, or was the DH suppressing them? And you know, we're going to see closer to to league average kind of like um, runs scored in those ballparks. Kind of mm-hmm. reminds me. Um, right before the Cubs, you know, finished their rebuild, Wrigley Field was a pitcher's park. And oh my God, you know, it's it's got the lowest ERA. And all of a sudden you have Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Contreras, they all come up and all of a sudden it's not a pitcher's park anymore. So I right. think I think as as kind of the rules change, we're gonna see we're gonna see what what the new true pitcher's parks are gonna be across baseball. And um, one of them that is actually pretty um pretty stable and won't change is Tampa. Tampa's by, by far is one of the best parks at suppressing the runs. And I think that's more of a factor of who plays in the, in the stadium than the actual stadium itself. Hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I I like it. I think even just taking a step back in terms of viewership, I think this is good for baseball, right? Obviously no, I mean, you have the, you know, the guy, the mics of the world uh, and the guys who just love, you know, classic good old baseball, right? You know, pitcher's got to go out there and he's got to do his job in terms of budding and getting the guy on. I'm, I'm, uh, my phone. I'm, I'm for that to a certain extent, right? Not, mm-hmm. not, uh, not, not, not in sacrificing, you know, viewership, and not in, in advancing the game, right? Um, and I, and I like it from a fantasy perspective, obviously, right? Um, obviously, it takes away from the National League pitchers, but you know, it gives another guy a chance, maybe, and it, and it helps um, an aging player or a player that maybe you know doesn't have a place on the field. You know, it's, it's giving them another option. So I'm all for, you know, giving the players another option in terms of you know prolonging their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm all for it. I, I think this is something that should have probably happened before, but it's here now, and I think it's a it's a good it's a good move in the right direction for the uh, for the MLB. I've sort of reluctantly come around on it. I mean, I am one of those guys. My my grandfather was like a barnstormer pitcher <laughs> in the 1950s. You know, playing D ball, C ball, B ball literally throwing like 180 pitches sometimes in games and uh, <laughs> he actually just passed away last year um oh, but yeah. so that's where my passion for baseball really comes from and 
remember actually the, the last time that I hung out with him, we watched Otani pitch and, and he said, you know, this is why I love baseball is that, you know, he was 92 years old and he's saying there's still something new for me to watch. Yeah. And, you know, if he were around, he'd, he'd probably be a little bit reluctant, but he'd be like, <clears throat> pardon me. He always said, who wants to see a pitcher hit? And he was a pitcher and he was a terrible hitter. You know, you had like yeah. a 180 career average. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely really good for the game. We're also, I think it's going to benefit some national league teams a little bit better. Um, it's harder, I think, to add a bat than subtract a bat from your lineup. So I think some of the teams that already are like pretty deep with big bats, such as like the Dodgers, um, are going to be, you know, and obviously the Phillies, the way that they loaded up their lineup with basically five DHs. I don't know where they're going to play all these guys. Castellanos and uh, uh, what's his name? The Schwarber. big dude. Schwarber. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, reluctantly came around. I mean, I, I'm on board. Let's let's see some runs. Let's see. Let, let's see who, you know, who the real aces are now as staffs. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. So let's we're at the 32 uh, minute mark. Let's talk about pitcher usage. Right. Um, we've mentioned this several times throughout the segment so far. Um, obviously, with the shortened uh, spring training due, due to the lockout, um, the league and the league wanted to protect the players by, you know, obviously the counterproductive with the uh, the double headers not changing and and the extra uh, uh, or the run on second base, if you will. But and the managers are trying their best to kind of protect their pitchers as well. Um, but how do you feel about, you know, pitchers being used um, in terms of early on in the season, transitioning them or getting them ramped up? Do you think that there's kind of overkill by the managers? Do you think that they're doing their diligence or they're doing they're effectively managing their pitchings or they're just they're getting too short of a leash so far? And then on top of that, let's talk about bullpen and closure by committees as well. On top of that, what is your opinion on closure committee? Do you, are you for that? Are you for the effective, you know, Tampa Bay Rays type of approach? Uh, maybe the Giants are kind of, you know, um, adopting it as well with Duvall, uh, McGee, and, and maybe, you know, Rodgers as well, if, if that calls for that as well. Uh, so we'll start off with you, Gabe. Um, what's your opinion on, you know, how the managers, Dave Roberts and, and all the other managers are effectively managing their pitch account? Yeah, I mean, Kershaw aside, I mean, I'm always going to root for a perfect game, especially if the guy doesn't have it. Um, but I totally, I totally get it right now in the first month for any other situation outside of Kershaw. Brandon mentioned it earlier. They have an extra two players on the roster. It's, it's a couple of extra bullpen guys kind of get the pitchers acclimated to throwing more pitches and more innings the first uh, first month of the game. So that, that'll go away May 1st. So you can kind of see the first turnaround, the rotations. Guys are going four or five innings. Now it's five and six and the second start. And then, you know, next, next start, it'll be just kind of what we were accustomed to. So I don't really have a problem with it. The only issue I had was with Kershaw. I mean, he was obviously like on a strict like 80 pitch limit, but I don't know at that point, five, 10 more pitches, you know, let the game kind of play out and, and kind of see if he gets into like, if he gets the next guy out, but it took him seven pitches. All right. Yank him. But you don't know if he, you know, would have gotten a, a two pitch ground ball, you know, uh, a first pitch pop up and just taking that, you know, chance at history away from a guy that actually deserves it. You know, it just sucks. And us and the fans as well. Right. Well, so yeah. yeah, I mean, so apparently Kershaw came out, at least I heard today, that he actually took himself out. He said he was gassed, he was losing his slider, and he actually agreed with the decision. If it hadn't been for that, I was about ready to punch my television. I mean, <laughs> this whole trend of babying these fucking pitchers, limiting their innings in the minors. Nolan Ryan has, I think, the best approach. He's like, look, you build up arm strength, you build up these guys. You see early who has a major league arm that's durable and who doesn't, and then go from there. Uh, I, I think part of it, too, is the starting and the stopping in the minor league, you know, call-up system, as well as, 
look, yeah, we did have the COVID year. Last year was weird, and this year we had a shortened spring. So I get it. Some guys are going to take longer to ramp up. You don't want to blow Kershaw's arm out week one when you're trying to win a World Series. You've guaranteed a World Series, mind you. Um, but the Sean Manea one, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the guy was throwing no-hitter 3-7. He was under, well under 100 pitches. He's been stretched out. He had basically the full spring that he could have. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, the bullpen games, <laughs> I joke around and I call those bad porn because they're scoring, but I don't like what I'm seeing. <laughs> it is, yeah. it's, it's terrible. I mean, you're seeing a bunch of no-name guys come in, throw two innings, one inning, this and that. Uh, it takes longer for them to come out and warm up. It drags the game on. Uh, now, I don't, I don't know what you do about it, but I, I get it from like a managerial standpoint, but from a viewership standpoint, I think it's just really slowing the game down. It's kind of detrimental to it. And also, you know, not seeing guys achieve history, not, or maybe your favorite player only pitches three innings. You know, when you go and you spent what, 500 bucks to take the family out for a baseball game. It's the whole thing of like NBA players missing games. You know, I think it translates to this too, is, you know, you pay to see your stars. These guys are getting paid a lot of money to go out there. It should be staying in shape in the off season. That's part of being an athlete. These guys are going out partying, getting fat. And then what you need a uh, three months basically to just throw 80 pitches, hundred pitches. Yeah. That was the one silver lining I had in, in the lockout is I'm hoping that this, you know, begins the trend of kind of shortening spring training. I mean, I think the whole, they always say like a, a batter only takes about a week. It's the pitchers that take four to five weeks to, to get in shape. And, you know, those are, it's unnecessary kind of pitches that they have to throw. And then, you know, it's an excuse on the, on the back end when, when their arms blow out later in the year that, well, I mean, we, we, we pitch all year round and we do this and, and, they're just not holding up and and i i want to get to a point where you know what give it a two three week spring training let's go let's get the season started yeah absolutely in in terms of the the um uh the reliever game if you will the bullpen game i'm not really a fan in, in terms of you know being a fan right from a viewership standpoint it's it's not fun to watch it like you said it's bad point it's, it's ugly to watch <laughs> But I'm all I'm all for putting money in, in these guys' pockets, right? In terms of these these guys are essentially they came up in the system. They were all starters. Nobody starts off being a reliever, right? And they realize that you know these guys can go two to three innings, right? If they mm -hmm. you know if they're matched up against the right guys, first or second what, time through the order type thing. Yeah, and very much so. That's where the game is going in terms of playoff baseball, right? You, these guys are coming in the, the fourth inning. Starters are going four to five innings. I'd be five innings tops, right? Six innings if they're having a great game, but even there, it's kind of shaky. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't like it, but I can understand it from from a managerial standpoint, right? Um, mm -hmm. Leveraging these guys that have live arms that can go and will go over an inning or, or two innings. So, and I love honestly from a fantasy perspective, I love getting guys. You know, um, give me a, a Colin McHugh. Uh, mm -hmm. Give me a, a love me a, Colin McHugh, man. Mc, Give me a, um, you know, a McKenzie when he's not starting. You know, guys that are, you know, technically not counting against starters, uh, not counting against the start. You know, that's a kind of a loophole. That's just that's mm -hmm. the it's loophole year, right? It's loophole <laughs> year. So loophole find, year. Find, that's what we're calling it, man. <laughs> let's find <laughs> loopholes, man. Um, so yeah, kind of pick. So piggybacking off of that, let's get into some draft strategies, right? Um, so I want to pick your guys' brain. I'll start off with you, Gabe, this time. 
what type of pitchers or hitters do you go for? You stay away from the draft. Let's let's get into it. Let's get into your 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 psyche or your mindset. Uh, I'm gonna start uh, taking notes on you. Hold on, let's record. What we say here cannot be held against <laughs> us in future drafts. Um, I, I maybe it's just it's just my kind of um, naivete or whatever. I think I can. F- it's much easier to find a pitcher later in the rounds than it is um finding a hitter later in the rounds because i feel like the the cream of the crop for hitters shouldn't you can't replicate like the type of success that they're having so like vlad jr right off the bat we already knew ain't no one going to come close to to what the the offensive numbers that he's producing i think i don't know if you played me that one year brandon where um where jd martinez just went off i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) players like jd martinez and and even like mookie and and trout and and turner i mean you can find guys in the middle rounds but they're going to add a bunch of strikeouts to you or yeah they'll give you that power but you're looking at a a joey gallo batting average so me Mm -hmm. it's i i think the the hitters are what i go for in the first kind of half dozen rounds and then sometimes you just you strike gold on the pitchers um you know, later in the rounds. I mean, I took a gamble on Barrios, but I mean, Barrios, I got him in the sixth or seventh round, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top three Cy Young candidate. Um, that's that's kind of how I, that's how I, how I go for my pitchers and, you know, just trying to see if I can find good value in the middle rounds. And one of those will, will turn out. I think the COVID year I had, um, I got Maeda and uh, so Dylan Bundy kind of in the in the late later rounds and you know they were top they were both top three in, in like the Cy Young finishes for for that year so that was uh yeah that's just how I go about it it's not always a a, a great strategy but yeah I'm not gonna waste I'm not gonna waste a first round pick on on Scherzer just to, or DeGrom just to just to complain about it all year yikes shots fired to the lead right there um yeah (laughs) i mean i as far as pitchers go i normally kind of have the same strategy i remember one year i took lincecum and holiday one two and you know holiday through a perfect game was amazing lincecum wasn't as great as i expected so usually i try to load up on bats early rounds this year though i uncharacteristically took a uh pitcher first round um I feel like you do need to have one established ace that you can really rely on for the innings and the strikeouts at the very least, because you need a guy who can go about 200 innings, get you a K per and just kind of that consistency week to week, especially if you're in a week to week league or if you're in a roto league, you know, getting just that massive amount of counting stats from one guy. And then I like to take flyers. Yeah. I mean, I think last year I picked up Trevor Rogers on the waiver wire, um, Adam Wainwright. And I mean, is the gap between Wainwright and the fifth best pitcher, you know what I mean? What is that gap? It's it, He might even be the fifth best pitcher, whereas characteristically, you're not going to get a bat off the wire in the late rounds that's going to end up being like an MVP candidate, right? It, you know basically who, what people are going to be with the bat. And there is a huge gap between, say, a Jose Abreu and a Vlad Jr., you yeah, know? Yep. Um, I mean, as good of a player as Jose Abreu really is, I mean, consistent, what, 30 home run, 100 ribby guy? But he's no Vlad. I'm sorry. Um, and if, And one Vlad can win you a league. Uh, or if you have Vlad Bichette, uh, who else did you have? Hefe? Uh, just everybody. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like top ten on the play radar. It was just like Don, Don, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with, with with all that, right? Um, I, 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 I think it's a lot easier. Like you said, it's a lot easier to get a pitcher later on. If you look at my team, the guy, the team of breakouts, if you will, um, a lot of, I mean, all those pitchers. All the guys I hit on were that were drafted later were pitchers, right? Chris Bassett, uh, Bassett, 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 um, Freddie Peralta, um, 
you know, uh, Galsman. These guys were drafted later on. They got the hitting. It's it's a lot easier to hit on that than a, like a Jesse Winker. That's an outlier. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something that's kind of a diamond in a rough, right? Um, Which he wasn't he, even that great. I mean, he had twenty home runs, like seventy five runs. You know, what I mean, he was yeah. a good player as far as like because he fit your team or whatever. He was the piece. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Sandy Alcan, uh, was it uh, what's the guy on the Marlins? Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Alcantara. Yep. I mean, the, the like, it's ridiculous. You know what yep. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to get a pitcher that's you know or a hitter that's going to compare to those type of stats. Yeah, for sure. And that's and I just um and just how I mold my team. You guys better not be writing this. Sit down. <laughs> but no, how I mold my team is I I go in terms of using the bench slots. I don't use – I go offense a little bit heavier than, than pitching. I get maybe one or two guys, but I know that I'm only going to have one guy on the offense on my bench, and then I'm going to have the max. I'm going to have seven guys, uh, starters, and, and four relievers. That are kind of make up for the pitching that I lack in terms of draft capital. Um, mm-hmm. And then, honestly, just I just I just look at the full kind of menu of, of categories that we have, and I feel like a lot of guys don't sometimes, so I'll just – you know, I'm good with getting a guy that, you know, can throw a lot of innings. It's not going to walk a guy a lot. Like, like Adam Wainwright, I know that I can get him later on, and he's a lot higher when a guy, you know, anybody else would be like, oh, he's 40 and makes golf at him. But I'm like, I'm comfortable getting a guy like him or, or Chris Bassett where I, I have him as, you know, a top, you know, top 15 pitcher, right? And a lot of guys maybe probably going to be top 25, top 30. So, you might be the only Chris Bassett fanboy that I know. Yeah, but yeah. But the I, results deliver. I gotta say, and early, right? I, last pitcher. year, yeah. I, 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 I started doing my research last year, and I, and I started watching some, some film on him, and I was like, you know, this, this guy's pretty good. I mean, he's, I, I like, he's, he's solid. Drafted mm-hmm. him, I was like, okay, this is good. I like this, and then boom, yeah. I hit in the head. I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, like, if, if you can get 180 innings in a 3.5 ERA in round 20 or off the waiver wire then yeah. why are you going to spend all your mid-round draft picks where you could be getting cheap power, cheap stolen bases, uh, you know, like a Jesse Winker in, say, like the 10th, 12th, you know what I mean? Um, right. So, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I, and as far as, like, injured guys go when I'm drafting, I like yeah. to get guys that are on the IL, that, but that don't have catastrophic injuries. So, for instance, right now, uh, I have Lance Lynn. You know, he has a torn ligament in his knee. It shouldn't be too bad once he comes back. And he's a pretty reliable pitcher that hopefully maybe down the stretch I can have enter my rotation, give me some depth. Um, on the more risky side, I mean, I would never draft him, but I have Strasburg. He's coming back from thoracic outlet surgery, which notoriously has a terrible outcome for pitchers. Only a few have come back with a good beneficial um, you know, outcome afterwards. But if he could be anything like Strasburg is, that's a pretty nice late addition to my pitching staff, um, you know, over a K per inning. So again, th- those pitching steals are out there, but the hitters I do. Yeah. It's, it's tough to find like a really live bat off the wire or late in the rounds. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is tough. It is. It, it, it's it, especially, it was especially tough in the second, 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 what second base, third base. If you didn't get it, if you didn't get a third baseman, you didn't get a third baseman in like the first couple of rounds and you were, yep. you're fucked. It's I got Eduardo over. Rodriguez <laughs> and Matt Chapman. Oh, it's gonna be a yeah. rough year, boys, unless somebody <laughs> gets called up and has a season. So, yeah, I got a hole at third base because of that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's yeah. On, on the flip side, to to pitching, hitting as well. It's just looking at you know, looking at guys that don't strike out, that walk a lot. That's why I love Soto. That's why I'm like, yo, this guy's gonna walk like almost 150 times probably this this season alone because of that lineup, right? Obviously, he's got help in Nelson Cruz and whatnot um, and uh, Josh Bell, but he's going to walk a ton. He doesn't strike out. He does everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I always hate on like a Javier Bias because I'm like, he has no mm-hmm. place for this type of league. If you're going to keep track of walks and strikeouts, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he is for power, but it's not that much damn power to be, ignore the strikeouts, in my opinion. Even uh, points leagues on base percentage leagues, not even yeah. counting the strikeouts, you know, he's yeah. a liability. And you really got to look at that. There's a lot of different ways to win a week. You know, yep. you can just strike out less, walk more, have a better average and score a bunch of runs when normally, you know, you kind of most people draft the home runs, the RBI, the sexy categories, right? Yep. The big power numbers. And but if everyone has those then you kind of have to exploit the minutia of your categories. Exactly. And if you look at if you look at last year's stats, if you look at the work per week basis or even um, kind of roto style collectively, you'll see. I'm at the top for walks and, and least strikeouts because those are the players that I mm-hmm. offensive guys, the weird guys where I might draft a guy and they'd be like, "What the fuck did he draft him?" But guess what? This fool's gonna he's gonna walk about a hundred times and then strike out yeah. less than a hundred times. I was like, "Who the <laughs> fuck is Jesse Winker?" Like, who the <laughs> fuck? Have you heard of this guy? <laughs> yeah, uh, so. yeah, but but you know they're out there and. I mean, like, I think this year you were touting Yuli Gurriel. He's like, he's like your guy. And I mean, I just hate Yuli Gurriel. It has nothing to do with yeah. it. He yeah, yeah. He does with his bat. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but the guy, I mean, yeah, he never strikes out. Hits, I mean, he was batting title, right? Last year. So he was or, uh, competing, right, I think. Was last... Yeah, I yeah. mean, legit player. You get him 16th round as like a utility that's slot. That's crazy. I was he's watching at least him not like, a liability to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just a personal preference. I mm-hmm. think our, our mind sh- our mindsets have to shift on, on the true power positions going more up the mm-hmm. up the middle with shortstop and second base. It's you, we, we grew up traditionally with a third baseman and a first baseman, and if you look mm-hmm. at around the league, it's there. <laughs> yeah, they're yep. they're not far and far between. There's like twenty like MVP level like you know middle of the diamond uh, players, and there's three MVP corner players. So it's, yeah, it's it's the game has changed a lot, and all the athletes are going to the premium positions and center, short, and second, and mm. and you know the corners are kind of just uh yeah, it's a nice twenty eight home runs you'll have from the guy there, but pe- be prepared to take a lot of flaws in their game as well. Right. Yeah, I remember. I remember like Dan Ugla was like the man when I first started fantasy. You get that thirty five home runs from uh, second from base, second, yeah, right. oh yeah, two hundred strikeouts and a T twenty out. Is that, yeah, the script is totally flipped. I mean, the elite young players, they want to play shortstop. They want to play center field because they want to, you know, be like the centerpiece of their teams and they want to get the airtime and they want to get the big contracts. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so you're seeing a little bit more of that premium talent go to these more cornerstone positions. Right, right. Absolutely. So I think we've hit pretty much all the topics. I'll kind of like let you guys round table it, see if there's anything else you wanted to hit on before we close up shop and close out the episode. Yeah, um, I just kind of want to touch on a little bit of the uh, key injured players and kind of what their timetables are, what I think kind of their returns are going to be kind of moving forward, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I got uh, Ronaldo Cunha here. Um, I, I think taking him second round is a total value. He's only going to miss a month. Uh, it looks like they're going to DH him, which is fine. You just won't get a little bit of speed maybe this whole year, maybe for a couple months. Uh, but he looks like he's progressing fine through his rehab. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. And honestly, was a pretty damn good pick for whoever got him. I forgot who got him in our league. Robbie. Robbie. What, what yeah. round did he get him? Did he get him in the third? Second. or? Oh, second. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think second, which I still think is value. I mean, one month. What? Right. You know, um, on the other end of the spectrum, DeGrom. I mean, broken scapula after coming back from shoulders, yeah, elbow. Uh, there's something going on here. He's getting older. Uh, I would not draft DeGrom. I'd. I mean, maybe if he fell to me like 15th round, I'd take him as a flyer type of a situation. Um, I don't see a good outcome for him this year. I mean, he's going to miss at least, what, two more months, it looks like. 
because yeah. he has to build back up arm strength even after the the break heels and everything. Um, so I have I have a real bad outcome for Degrom. I don't know if you guys see it any differently. No, yeah, I mean yeah. we talked about it earlier in terms of the the early season success, right? They see mm-hmm. that. Why in the hell would they rush Degrom back? It, no I mean, shit. It's, yeah, there's 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 really no point. Um, yeah, they're gonna have any, deep. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I I wouldn't touch him. And and yeah. if I would touch him, he's already gone. So right. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Same same tactic there. Um, Trout thankfully got hit in the hand. Uh, looks like you know X-rays are coming back negative. Uh, another one of those kind of freak injuries for Trout. I mean. Half of them have been freak. Half of them have been kind of, all right, this might be some injury history. The guy just has bad luck, and it sucks. Because, I, like I mean, e- Angels fan aside, I just, it's good for baseball when the guy's healthy and playing. Um, but hopefully this is just, you know, a week or two. He can c- get back out on the field, and it's not a big deal. Um, talked about Strasburg coming back from thoracic outlet surgery. Uh, we'll see what the outcome is. It's really a coin flip with him. Um, he was supposed to be, you know, Hall of Fame, best pitcher ever, Sandy Koufax, part two. Never delivered on that, but has always been a really, really good pitcher and actually a little more durable than people give him credit for. Has had quite a years where he's made, you know, uh, 30, 35 starts, but just, you know, his innings counts have been held back. So we'll see what happens there. And the last one, he's not hurt yet. Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> uh, the 80 pitch holdback. I mean, uh, and his, he's already getting tired. I think that's indicative of, you know, we are seeing the last of Kershaw, but what is there is still elite. Um, at least for six, seven innings. Um, how long do you guys think before he gets hurt? Do you think he gets to the whole year? Do you think he gets to October even with this 80 pitch count limit? Uh, I think it's still dicey. I don't think that saves his arm or his body this year. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's inevitable, right? And, and obviously, Dave Roberts and Camp, his team is going to do whatever they can to preserve him. Um, I think they've got a ton of talent. Um, you know, they got you know, Tony Galson. They got, you know, reinforcements, that guys that'll fill in. You know, there'll be plenty of times that they might skip his start. If he's mm-hmm. feeling any level of discomfort or whatnot, because um, I think they definitely want him, you know, for the long run, they want him to be a part of that run. They fully expect to be there in October, November. So, um, yeah, they want and they want him to be a part of that. And he wants to be a part of that. So I think in terms of any him being, you know, 150 plus innings, I would I'm not buying it. I'm buying the mm-hmm. under for sure. That's mm-hmm. kind of why I stayed away from him. I mean, I got a taste of him last year. Um, which he was, he was for the you know the first half of the baseball. He was the top ten pitcher for me, at least fantasy perspective, right? Um, yeah, on, on like a per start basis, he's still been absolutely elite these last three or four years. When people kind right. of write him off as all oh, Kershaw, he's old, he's injured. I mean, you look at those ERA numbers and that K to walk ratio; it's still stunning. It's like when he's out yeah. there, he's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, but, that's uh, what, I mean. Yeah. So uh, what's the money line on that under for innings pitch for Kershaw? We got we got to find a, a D-Gen bet on that. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it, I would think it's at like 125, 120, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Yeah. And it leads me it leads me to a, to a topic that I wanted to bring up that I had kind of written down here. It's um, one of the rule changes here is going to be the new um, playoff team per league. So now we have we mm-hmm. expanded the field from going from five teams to six. Forgot teams. about forgot to mention that one. Thank and you. Yeah. I, I think I think that's going to be um, in a case like Kershaw, you're going to have um, a team that they're going to be like, well, we can be a little bit more conservative on on his um, kind of return to game action approach because or, you know, even if things go as bad as the season can go, we're still not going to do a one game playoff. You know, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, the Dodgers, you know, they, you know, treat Kershaw with give him a little bit more time. They're not going to have to face st louis in a one game playoff they'll you know the top two seeds will get a bye but hey three games that's you know the talent is gonna it's gonna 
show up for the teams that deserve to win those games, I believe. So yeah, I and we're I mean, see. That was, yeah, sorry. And, and I mean, say they win the division, then you, I mean, you get a buy, right? You get a yeah. buy for a whole series. You can maybe let them rest up, um, you know, conserve some arm there. But what do you think of the buy kind of say a team's coming in the playoffs really damn hot? They get that top seed and then they got to, you know, spend basically a week sitting back and watching other people play. You think it's going to be an issue for some of those teams, uh, you know, the stopping and starting of for their uh, momentum? I, I think I think they addressed it pretty good. So they're kind of doing the the whole NFL kind of tiebreaker uh, scenario where where they're not going to be playing like or they're trying to limit the amount of like um you know, game one sixty threes and and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I think the way it's going to basically shake out is in, in the years past the ha- the last decade or whatever you would have like an off day on Monday that was you know after the season ends on Sunday you have the off day on Monday and then Tuesday you have one of the wild card games and then Wednesday you have another wild card game. And then you have basically the playoff starting on Thursday for, for for one of the teams. Now they're going to have the the buy for the for the top two uh, teams in the league, and then the um, they're going to have the three game series at the higher seeds uh, home ballpark. So they're going to play three straight games. So Monday, Tuesday, okay. Wednesday. So they're ready to play on on Thursday, Friday, the latest. So um, it's going to hurt the teams that have to play in to advance. But, mm-hmm. you know, the team's kind of sitting back. It's kind of what they've already been doing the last you know last decade or so. I, the, the the three game playoff is kind of nice because uh, at that point you're you're probably on a three or a four man pitching staff, uh, so you get to reset uh, back to your kind of original uh, ace to kind of come back into the. Whereas when you were having these play in games, oh, yeah. I mean, you're seeing like a third starter maybe uh, going up against like you know Scherzer and you know, yeah, not to say that that's you know, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I think the parity in the playoffs is going to make it a little bit better. You get to kind of reset your pitching staff coming in. Cool, cool. So thank you guys again for coming here, sharing your baseball knowledge and your love for the game. Uh, I'd love to frequent these. I have a ton of fun. Um, just, you know, chopping, shooting the shit with you guys, talking baseball. So we can do this bi-weekly or whatever the case may be, whatever works for you guys' schedule. But uh, mainly for you guys listening in, thank you guys for listening in for another episode. Um, it's been fun. It's been real. Um, hopefully we have plenty of success, each one of you, in our fantasy baseball league. Hopefully not too much. For you guys, right back at you. But uh, you're the yeah. target. You're the defending champ. So we're all coming after you, unfortunately. Oh uh, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> he had it ready. Hey, oh, it's, it's so beautiful. Get you one of these. Get you one of these, Brendan. I oh, see your man. name on here for the for your half your half season bullshit game. But hey, lump me in with the Dodgers and and the Lakers, right? <laughs> so I'm the only one champions. on the podcast that doesn't have a doesn't have a ring, huh? Right. Oh man. Yeah, I'll I'll, this year. I'll reach out to you guys to get this going again. But thank you guys again for sending the time. And then uh let's go. See you guys. Always a pleasure. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Later, guys.